Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at sumatisparks.com. And today I'm so thrilled to have my friend, Triambika Mavive. Triambika is a soulful sexuality coach and the founder of the Ecstatic Awareness Institute. She's been featured on Playboy TV and she teaches spiritual, sexual, shamanic practitioner trainings internationally and helps men and women heal, gain confidence, learn to have extraordinary sex, and create healthier relationships overall. Welcome to the show, Triambika. Hey, Sumati. It's great to be here. So glad to have you. So why don't we start by, um, I'd like to hear how you ended up specializing in sex and relationship coaching for men. So tell me a little bit about your background. Well, that's a great question. I, um, I, I came to want to work with specifically with men because I saw such a deep need. I've worked with women. I've worked with couples. I still work with women and couples. And, um, and I love all of that, but men was really, it's really something that comes from um, a desire to actually serve my sisters because I see so many women in my life, really beautiful, empowered, magnificent women who are just wondering, like, where are all the men? Where are all the good men? Where are the men who have been trained, who have been supported in their life, who have done transformational work? And um, they can't find any that really meet them or match them. So I'm really here to serve guys, to really step up, step up to the level that they want to be at to, so that they can engage with these gorgeous, amazing, magnificent women. I love that, the desire to serve your sisters. Yeah, it's true because so many women are doing personal growth work, but um, men are uh, sometimes, some men, not all of them, are kind of lost in the wilderness focusing on their careers and making money. Um, I noticed on your website that you said when you become a better lover, you become a better man. Can you tell me what you mean by that? You know, so many of the men that I work with will – confirm that this is this sort of um, this area of their sexuality of, of their ability to really be confident in the bedroom or with women they are it's sort of like the last frontier they might have had other successes in life maybe they've been a parent already and 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 this is like that last area of their life that they're like I have to get this down I this is just the one area that really gets me and so when they complete the picture so to speak by really um, increasing their ability and in their skills in, in, this, in, in the area of sexuality, it, it, it really completes them, and it really adds to their confidence on every level of their life. Right. Got it. Cool. I'm so glad you're doing this work. It's so needed. <laughs> um, so I know I first met you um, when I took a – a Tantra class from you and I was impressed with how much deep background you had in Tantra and you studied in India and everything you weren't you weren't just a Northern California poser <laughs> um, so uh, can you tell me how you bring that strong background in Tantra into your work with clients now yeah in Tantra because it's my background and I spent so many years um, as a student, as a practitioner, uh, you know, just really engaging in the tantric life. 
I it feeds and informs my work hugely. Uh, I don't tend to call what I do specifically Tantra now, even though it always is there. It's always in the background. It's it's, it's always informing what I do. And how I use it is is the level of, of presence, the level of consciousness that 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 Tantra um, opens up in a person is really what I'm aiming for uh, when I'm working with people, for them to, to become more present, to become more connected. And then the other part of where I, it really comes in is is the energetic, right? That sort of the energetic piece that when we are in touch with our life force energy, uh, which in, in, in the sexual form is it's one of the ways that it expresses itself most tangibly, but that life force is moving through us all the time. And so I really teach my clients to touch in with that life force, uh, the, the energy of that life force, so that they can live a more fulfilled, a more vibrant life, uh, so that they can be more in touch with everything that's going on around them and all of the beautiful subtleties that they get to experience um, that isn't so available when, when they're not able to be present in their body. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, so tell me a little bit more, remind me about your background um, in Tantra, your studies. Well, well, I've done a lot of things. <laughs> um, I mean, everything from starting out more on the neo-tantric path with the Source School of Tantra and Charles Muir, uh, um, traveling to India, um, studying in various uh, ashrams, and um, having having lots of experiences. Really, um, some of my greatest experiences were actually receiving sexual healing work for myself. That those were some of the biggest eye-opening tantric experiences that I'd had. And then I spent uh, about 12 years with a guru in a traditional Kashmiri tantric lineage. And that was that was a hardcore. That was like fundamentalist tantra, like hardcore all the way. <laughs> and that was so. I'm assuming that wasn't like a you know set more because like, I know tantra is associated with sex in in mm-hmm. in America, but my understanding is that it, it it's not all about sex in India. So I'm assuming when you say hardcore, it was more like discipline and austerities, and not not like a big orgiastic party or anything <laughs> <laughs> not orgiastic at all um uh, <laughs> sex sexuality is uh an essential aspect in tantra in all tantra whether it's classical tantra or neo tantra but it is not the emphasis um in classical tantra what you'll see is that it has um a lot more to do with uh with shakti with with the energy um with um expanding our consciousness of ourselves with being able to um sort of dismantle our limited ideas about who we are and open up to the fullness to divine um we do that through mantras through um experiencing um, more openness in our chakras uh, to, you know, visualizations. I mean, there's so many practices, you know, that pair together really well with yoga and Ayurveda. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very deep methodology. Mm-hmm. And I just want to ask you another question about Tantra before we move on to other topics. Um, I studied with um, some Tantra teachers, and they often said that a, a, ha- a happy Shakti is a happy Shiva 
So can you talk a little bit about women's sexuality and women's turn-on um, is kind of the key to everyone being happy in a sexual relationship <laughs> and why that is? Well, that's a good question, too. Um, so, it you know, when the Shakti is is turned on, when she's lit up, there's a sort of um, an ease that comes over her, right? When she's having enough, not just enough sex, but enough of the right kind of sex. That's very important. And the right kind of sex, oftentimes for for the feminine, um, is is has a physicality to it, but also has the heart connected to it. It also has the connection. It has the uh, a bit more of the emotional depth connected to it. So when a woman is feeling met and seen and her body is lit up and being orgasmic, she has an ease to her that permeates her whole family, right? She's just more open. She's more available. She's more loving. She has the capacity to be more patient. And so naturally that would make for a happier Shiva and family as well. (laughs) And do you feel like the same is true that when a man is feeling met sexually that the whole family is calmer as well? I would say yes. I would say that it might be in a different way what I have Mm -hmm. seen. And this is a little bit, maybe this is a little bit generalizing, but what I've seen is that um, men have moods. And so there might be moods if, if he's not feeling that fulfillment. Absolutely. But what you'll also see is maybe more of a shutdown man in the family. You'll see um, somebody who's just not um, as relatable or uh, willing to, to make as much of an effort in the family. And so it kind of creates a disruption to the, the love in, in the family unit and in the relationship. And so, it, you know, it might show up differently, but I would say that, yeah, it does make a difference that there is fulfillment there for the man as well. Yeah, I think that phrase happy Shakti equals a happy Shiva probably comes just from the patriarchal world, you know, ocean that we swim in um, and how uh, for so many millennium we have been focused on male sexuality and to create balance we need to uh, focus on, on female arousal because women have trained, we've been trained and we've trained ourselves to not ask for what we want, to not feel we deserve it. So I think it requires a little imbalance until there's more balance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it, it does require a, more of a balance and movement towards um, not just female sexuality, uh, uh, like just, okay, women need to have more attention on them, but also um, how um, understand how a woman wants to be aroused, how a woman um, needs to be approached, all the aspects around the sexuality, uh, certainly not just the, you know, let's get to the orgasm part. It's, it's, it's all the aspects around it too. And, yes, we do need to balance that out for sure. Yeah. Um, and as I've gotten older and started to date men that are in my age group, I noticed there's more and more men that really haven't a clue on how to like be, be sensual. It just, you know, they, they know how to, 
they know how to have intercourse, they know how to stick their tongue down my throat, but, um, you know, the subtleties of, you know, of romance and connection, sensuality, and, and all the other things that we can do to turn ourselves on um, aren't there as much. And it, what I feel is really sad that men in their 60s have gone their whole life without a woman ever telling them that's not really how I want you to start our sexual play. You know, maybe you could put your tongue down my throat, uh-huh. you know, a half an hour, an hour into it, but not at <laughs> the very beginning. So it it makes me think about, like, all the ways that women have been trained to not, uh, we've been told to not want to have sex, to, that we shouldn't want to, and that we need to be convinced. And that sets up that whole um sexual harassment kind of cycle where men are like not able to ask because the woman can't admit it and he has to somehow convince her and that just sets up that whole cycle so I'm really wanting to teach people how to talk more and how for women to own it more but younger women often don't feel like they they don't feel safe enough to own that they want to have sex like I, I heard that teenage girls can't carry condoms with them because if they get to a point of being sexual with a guy and she has a condom, he'll call her a slut just for carrying a condom. <laughs> so it's it's really difficult. There's a lot of change that has to happen, but I, I feel passionate about women learning to own it, to speak, and men to be able to speak, for us all to use our words and talk about it. Do you follow me? Yeah, yeah. And, and it, you know, it's... Um... There's a lot to say about this subject, and that's something that I'm very passionate about, too, and certainly it's something that I, I work with people on. And, like, you know, when you describe the guy who's, you know, reaching his 60s and hasn't learned to be sensual or hasn't learned to to really properly make love, um, these, are, these are my guys right there. It's like they get to that point mm-hmm. where they're like, hey, I've done everything else in life, and now this is this one area that I never got. Nobody nobody taught them. No, there's no place to learn this. There's no place that's openly able, where people can learn this, right? That's why they come to coaches and, and trainers and teachers like ourselves. Uh, but this is um, – this, the thing that I hear again and again is like, well, nobody taught me. This wasn't like a, an elective in college, you know, <laughs> you right. know how to be a great lover. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> I think it really should be, though. Totally. Yeah. So, um, so when I when I meet older women who, I mean, sorry, older men, because I'm mostly hetero. Um, when I meet older men um, who talk about like they're divorced because they're wanting to have sex with them and then I, I, I realize oh I wonder why she stopped wanting to have sex with them so it sounds like you probably get clients like that where their wife is saying that she's you know postmenopausal or she you know is too busy with the kids or she has all these reasons why she's not interested in sex anymore but it's probably that she's just she's just lost interest in the kind of sex that he was offering this um, this is true. I mean, that's a, a really simple way to say it. She lost interest in the kind of sex that he was offering. And, I mean, it, it nails it pretty much on the head. Um, but it, what you're saying is really reminding me of um, an excellent author named uh, Emily Nagoski who wrote Come As You Are. And this is a whole scientific view that's coming in now. This is newer science around women's sexuality. To understand that unlike the the majority of men have a spontaneous sexuality, not all men, okay, but let's just say about 80% where their sex 
they, they feel desire very spontaneously. Like, you know, the wind could blow, somebody cute passes by, maybe they just a, a fluttering thought comes in, and suddenly they have sexual desire. And, hey, let's go get that fulfilled, then arousal happens, and then ultimately climax. For, I'd say, you know, a good 80% of women, uh, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's arousal happens first. And, and so what that means is that for many women, not all women, again, and at different stages in a woman's life, it might be a little bit different as well. However, the, a good portion of women have uh, something where they, if you start to, let's say, you come up behind her, you start licking on her neck or doing something she enjoys or just rubbing or dancing with her in a certain sensual way, you know, maybe speaking words that she really likes, or maybe it's a movie that she watches, and something sparks her arousal. Now the arousal begins to build, and she's like, oh, hey, sex, that sounds like a good idea. And suddenly then desire opens up. And from the desire, then she can really begin to explore more sexuality. But we're sort of taught something very different in this life that we, in, in, if for women, we believe that we should be more like men, that we should have more spontaneous desire all the time and that it should just be that way. And if it doesn't work that way, then there's something wrong with us. And now we have a sexual dysfunction as women. And this is one of the biggest issues that I find in, in relationships is that, is that we don't understand that how we need to be taken to the bedroom is very different from the way that a good portion of our male counterparts need to be um, taken to the bedroom, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. Does right. that make sense? Excellent. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was beautiful. Um, so as you start to work with men and get, get deeper into their lives, um, what are some of the common issues that you, you find that they have that, um, that shows up most commonly? Well... So I kind of see this as um, there's the men that I work with. Um, I kind of see two different categories. One is common issues among men are one would be like issues around specifically around sexuality, which would be the common ones would be concerns about the erections, what's going on, why aren't they happening the way that you want them to, and also concerns around orgasm, ejaculation, um, coming too soon or not coming soon enough, you know, some version of that. And then the other camp is um, is really what I'm seeing as a big epidemic right now, which is my, my brothers who are not um, feeling confident to approach women and to have, um, a, you know, a, a conversation about their desire for them because they don't want to be like they don't want to be seen as a, uh, a predator or like they're, they don't want to make the women uncomfortable. They don't want to seem like a creepy guy who's coming on to them. And so they shut off their sexuality and they, they shut down their body and they are not, they, they're approaching women without the, without the full life force moving through them. And they're not able to, to have the woman be attracted to them because she's not really feeling who they really are. She's not, she's, they're sort of holding back. And this is a big issue that I see um, with a lot of guys, especially today with the media being what it is and what we're seeing, you know, around sexual predators and sexual assault guys are really, really holding back with women. And, you know, there's something they're going to have to really change about, about um, 
gender, sexuality, and, and, and how these things are, are, are happening out in the world uh, because, um, because there's a lot of fear about how to approach yeah. a woman. Right. And so I, I'm imagining that one of your, um, your cures or solutions for that is a blog that I saw on your website called Occupy Your Cock. <laughs> I just loved <laughs> that. That was such a great title. Is that is that kind of what you're talking about? Like you teach men how to occupy their cock. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm so glad you saw that. Uh, that is one of my favorite blogs that I ever wrote. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. In some ways, that is very much it. I mean, in the blog, I'm speaking about the actual sex act and how to occupy your cock, but that is very much what I'm asking. I'm very much asking men to do that also in their life to be able to own that they have desire, own that there's energy, that there's sexual energy that's running through them and, and be able to bring that and channel it through the heart. That's very important here. Channel that energy up through the heart and breathe that up and connect with the woman you want to connect with in an authentic way. If you, if you try to cut it off so that you seem safe, if you try to cut off your sexual energy so that you seem safer to her, it's going to make, it's going to make all of your actions seem a little funny because you're not going to really be authentic. And then if you try to just bring the sexuality and nothing else, it's going to feel like, whoa, you're coming on too strong. This is too much. I don't want to just have sex. And, you know, all those things come from a woman. And so you really, there has to be that connection between heart and genitals. And, uh, and for a man to be able to own his desire and know that he can also connect that with his love and, and really create a beautiful, he can, he can be with a woman and actually leave her better than he found her just out of his connecting with her. Beautiful. Yeah, I can see how they would need you for this because it feels like it would be a delicate balance between really occupying their, their full sexual energy and coming from a heart place. Do you find that men feel afraid to fully own their sexuality because it, it feels so powerful to them that if they fully owned it, it might be out of control for them? Do you, do you find a fear of that? I think that is a fear for some people, yeah, yeah. I also feel like um, that if they owned their, their sexuality, their sexual desire, um, I think the big, big fear is that it's going to make someone else uncomfortable and then then what that what what that would mean right what that would make him if he's the guy who makes women uncomfortable then you know he's not safe then he's you know a creep then he's you know more chance of rejection and i don't know there's just a lot of ways where the big concern is about the you know how is that going to be received right Thank you. Yeah, because I know a lot of men feel fearful to get in touch with their anger. I've heard many men say that if they get in touch with their anger fully, they might kill someone. So they hold it back. And I'm just wondering if they kind of do something similar with their sexuality. But I'm hearing you say that it's more about not wanting to be that guy who's the creep, who's um, maybe too needy or, you know, to be judged in certain ways. I say, yeah, well, you know, and, and now that you mention that, I, I would say that there is both. Um, and when you think about it, that if they owned their desire and if they were able to just fully be in touch with it, you know, would it, would it overpower? Would it, um, you know, would it just take over? And in that, there's fear. 
right? There's this fear that, that okay, that, you know, my sex would start to control me, my sexuality, my desire would start to control me, and then I might do something to someone. And in fear of not wanting to be, you know, a, um, a perpetrator, it, it, they, they'll just hold it back altogether. So, yeah, I mean, it would be the same thing with anger. And, you know, when you think about it, emotions in general, all emotions, um, it can it, it can be so powerful. Um, same thing with like sadness. You know, if you if you really felt your sadness all the way through, then what? You know, then you just maybe what de- be depressed all day and and wallow in a pool of tears. I mean, you know, that's possible and maybe for a little while. But actually, if you were to actually fully feel your anger and have an, a, a container to be able to fully express it, if you were to fully feel your sexual energy and have a way to really channel it through your body, you you gain power over it. You actually have the power of that emotion or that life force to now utilize for a number of different things because otherwise it's got to hold on you. So I have a question. You, you said some of the most common issues that show up, at least the presenting issues, are issues around erection and ejaculation. And I can see that men start there. They start with, like, I, I'm premature ejaculating or I, I can't get an erection when I want to or I'm getting an erection when I don't want to. So that, that often is, is what, what they present with. Um, so how do you help men with things like that when you're, you know, doing like a video conference or a phone call or something? How do you coach <laughs> men around issues with their body when you're just kind of doing talk coaching? So that's a good question. I um, I have been doing this for uh, several years, um, with, you know, with the coaching. And as you know, Simiti, I work also with hands-on work, and, and, and I did that solely for many years. And so to, to be able to move the, the conversation from here's a hands-on approach on how to work with that to a conversation about your sexuality without me touching you um, is an art. <laughs> and, um, and it requires really understanding this person and where they are um, holding themselves back. So a lot of the deeper um, sort of foundational reasons for things like erectile dysfunction and um, and premature ejaculation, um, short of not being a hormonal issue or a cause from medication, you know, there's a couple things that, that we want to rule out to begin with. But um, once those things have been ruled out, what's often at the foundation is an underlying tension in the body. And there's tension either in the, in the physical body or the emotional body or the mental body, right? There's, there's oftentimes a tension that a, that a person needs to become aware of with where they're holding, where they're gripping, where they're holding, again, in their physical body and, you know, something around their emotions or maybe something that's gripping them mentally. And um, once we start to figure out what that is, um, I train them and teach them how to pay attention and get present to when that tension starts to show up and how it starts to show up, what it feels like, and to really learn tools and techniques to come into relaxation and come into presence in their body in a big way. Beautiful. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think men also get stuck in their head a lot, particularly if they're – I was just talking to a man the other day about threesomes, and I said, you know, 
I have quite a bit of experience with threesomes, and I would say at least half of the men can't get an erection in their first threesome. He said it's because we're in our head wondering, like, how am I going to take care of two women? I'm talking about threesome with two women and a man. Um, so do you find that they're, they kind of get into their head and your work helps them get more into their natural flow of their body? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's like a big one. Uh, and, and that's, again, what I mean about that tension. It's something in their mind that's gripping them. And so it's, um, the, I would say the part about getting in their head is so huge. It's such a big topic. It happens to so many men. And, boy, you, if you want to kill, <laughs> you want to kill an erection, just get in your head <laughs> and mm-hmm. you'll kill it. <laughs> You know, right. um, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's a it's a big one. Um, um, and how do you help somebody to get out of their head? I mean, this is this is where the work begins because every person's going to be a little bit different, and some things are common. You know, some some meditation techniques work for a lot of different people, but there are some specific ways that people get into there. There are specific themes that people get in their head about. So. You know, the guy not knowing how he's going to satisfy two women is, is one thing. But the guy worried about, you know, well, am I going to get an erection, you know, or am I going to come too soon? And, you know, so now we have to work at what does that mean? And if you did, then what would happen then? And we want, you know, maybe a person is more worried about, you know, um, the relationship. Is this woman um, the right partner for me? Or do I love her? Or am I even attracted to her? You know, these different, you have to figure out what is it that's gripping in your head and, and, and work with what's going on in your life. And your sexuality, our sexuality, is really a microcosm of the macrocosm of our life. Like we can't separate the issues in our life from the things that are showing up for us sexually. So it's important to remember that. Beautiful. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. We're speaking with Triambika Mavive about men's sexuality. She is a, a coach for soulful men, sexuality coach. And um, I'm sure that as you work with men, Triambika, um, you must sometimes, at least on occasion, have like old wounds come up, like maybe sexual abuse. And um, can you talk a little bit about doing that kind of work and healing with men specifically and why it's so important today for for that work to be done with men? Well, gosh, where do I start? <laughs> where do we start with, with wounding? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, there's wounding in everyone and so many of us and for so many different reasons. And, you know, with 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 men, there's um, there's so many things that haven't been talked about, right? I think that if a man is willing to work with a therapist, fantastic. But I would say that, you know, a larger percentage of women would choose therapy, for men, when it comes to issues around um, around their sexuality, there's a lot of shame, so much shame. You know, whether it's shame around uh, masturbation, shame around uh, maybe an early childhood abuse or molestation, um, maybe some, you know, sort of bisexual tendencies, and maybe it was, um, you know, uh, a broken heart, you know, being rejected, various things, so many things that it really doesn't, um, 
it, it really doesn't happen so often that men have a community of men that they can uh, talk to, right? It's more and more, I think, these days, especially in, you know, you know, we're from California, so these areas, you see more and more guys having relationships with groups of men that they can call brothers to have real conversations with. But otherwise, there hasn't been a lot of that in place. And so those those um, experiences start as a wound and can really put a pause on, on, on how a man shows up and how he um, and how he feels about himself. Well, I mean, there's so many areas that I can go into with that particular theme. Um, but it, it, the thing that I, I want to say is that we are, you know, we're in an era where women are coming forward and saying no more. You know, we we are here to, you know, get be empowered and um, and have equality and. You know, it's just like it's really, really strong right now, and it's so powerful and beautiful, and I just I love the changes that are taking place. But at the same time, you know, the patriarchy wasn't all in favor of men. I mean, men have suffered too, and um, and who they've had to be, uh, like you know, be the man, and um, you know, you know, you have to provide and you have to protect and you have to you have, you have to have to have to do so much. You know, as a man, you have to be the one to initiate. You have to be the one to make the call. Like there's so many things. Those are pressures. And while their bodies and minds may be suited for that, it's not like it always comes so easy. But yet society has pinned this on men, and and it becomes a, a, a pressure that they can't they can't talk about because otherwise then they're not men. They're not they're not real men if this is too much for them. So it, um, God, there's so many wounds. <laughs> I could go on and on about it. Yeah. And so it ties into what we're going through with the me too, um, that men have also been sexually wounded, um, have been abused. And it's not just about women being victims that we're all victims of the system that was imposed upon us. None of us chose this, <laughs> Um, but it's our job to hold hands and um, including our trans brothers and sisters and binary people um, to all hold hands together and create what we want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you know, we have been talking very specifically about men and women and, and, and overall a heterosexual dynamic. Uh, but I, I would love to include that there is um you know, a whole other range of, of gender that's, um, that's present in our world today. And uh, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert on speaking about uh, non-binary folks and trans folks, but I would say that there is, um, there is a conversation to be had there in that the aspects of masculine and feminine live within all of us. It doesn't matter what genitals you have or what identity you choose, those aspects of our, our masculine, feminine, are polarities that live in every single human being. So it, it helps to, to, to know that there is places where a person can can heal the relationship inside of themselves. Right, you know? exactly. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and that's one of the things. That's one of the things I learned in the ISTA community that you teach in is um, that really we need to marry ourselves and learn. I know uh, the founder of, of that community, Baba Dez, often says, um, what is a man? And he says, when people say, what do women want? 
he just asks himself. He tunes into his inner woman and asks her, what do you want? I just love that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We have those antos inside, (laughs) sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's move on into, um, I'm sure you occasionally work with non-monogamous people, and since that is the dominant theme of my program here. Um, Let's talk about the kind of issues that come up when you work with polyamorous or any kind of ethically non-monogamous people. Yeah. um, Wow. So I have worked with several couples who were uh, either non-monogamous or or sort of teetering and curious and... um, I think one of the issues, you know, I think you probably know a lot about this too, is that um, when one partner wants to open the relationship and the other one's not sure, right, where there's that that dynamic of, of fear and um, control happening in one on one side, and the other person is saying, "Hey, this just needs to, you know, we we, we want to, we're going to grow better this way, or we're going to expand, and you know, it's just going to be better for the relationship." And, you know, the big issues are, are there issues in the relationship <laughs> that are trying to be healed by opening it um, and is it in a healthy enough place to handle, um, you know, a third or fourth person? Um, I think so that's part of it. And, you know, jealousy <laughs> for a lot of people is a big theme. And, um, uh, you know, and I think the other one is, um, I'll call it inauthenticity. Um uh, because even in an open relationship, when there is a broken agreement that hasn't been openly talked about, um, for example, you know, somebody, they have an agreement to, to always wear a condom and the person chose not to wear a condom with another lover, you know, the people aren't always authentic about that. They, they don't always, they're not always upfront about that with their partners. Um, and that's a big one, you know, when, when a person isn't able to be real about what they really want, what they really desire, uh, even though they're having this alternative lifestyle, <laughs> but aren't all the way, all the way authentic with their desire. Right, right, exactly. I I just read an interesting article, I have to look it up again, um, about when somebody's uh, non-monogamous and they're dating and they find someone who's in another partnership. So this is someone who doesn't have a primary partner, isn't married, they're poly solo, or they're you know, looking for a partner, and they meet a non-monogamous person who's in a primary partnership. And they talk about how first they have to weed through the couple that's looking for a unicorn, that's looking for a woman to love both of them equally all the time and be attracted to them equally all the time. And they go, okay, that's not going to work. And then they go to the ones that have veto power, you know, like, oh, six months down the road, if you're too much in love, you know, one of the members of the couple can just ax you without any conversation, and that's not going to work. And then they go to the third phase, which is, um, they called it control yamory, where the couple has so many agreements, you know, where like, okay, you can't date past midnight, um, you can only kiss for 10 minutes. There's just all these rules. There's a giant, you know, catalog of rules they have to follow. And it makes me think about um, how much of non-monogamy is based on polyamorous programming 
and how we, we come from that program. All of us come from that programming. All of us are influenced by our culture, and that's the default model of relationship. So um, I'm not sure if I have a question in this, but you just said something that reminded <laughs> me of that article and how there's just so much growing that we all have to do. And even the word non-monogamy is, is a, and that seems to be the, the buzzword lately, is ethical non-monogamy. It's such a long, cumbersome word. And it's pushing against monogamy, so it's not its own thing. It's saying yeah. we're not that. So as a yeah. as a general lifestyle, it has a long way to go to kind of invent itself and claim its own place in the culture. Yeah, you know, uh, my husband and I, I, I like to say that we have an alternative relationship. You know, mm-hmm. it's an alternative to traditional relationships. And it's an alternative to polyamory. It's not, we're not polyamorous. We're not monogamous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's based on, on, you know, trust. It's based on a lot of trust. And being mm-hmm. able to, just, like, the, the basic foundation of our relationship is that we are trusting that the other person is going to have, make choices that are supporting and serving the relationship, not mm-hmm. going against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, beautiful. That um, sounds really healthy. Yeah. And even in the choices of, of who we who we choose to be lovers with, you know, it's like, hey, I'm only going to probably choose somebody that I think you would approve of, you know, that you would that you would be cool with, that you know, that you would you know feel not feel terribly threatened by. And if you do feel threatened, you know, we understand that there's a place where, hey, everybody's going to feel a little threatened sometimes, and you know, you might feel like. Hey, am I enough of a lover? And those those natural feelings come up with a little insecurity, a little bit of jealousy. But when it's like super controlled and <laughs> you're all kissing for ten minutes only, come on, <laughs> what are we really doing? <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever heard of that. I was just joking, like looking for something extreme. But I do remember a couple many years ago yeah. when I was first meeting meeting people who were who weren't monogamous and they had a rule that um that you couldn't kiss past midnight so <laughs> oh yeah no, i've heard that, like it, that too yeah there's an assumption that it wouldn't go any further if you if you couldn't kiss <laughs> that that's always the beginning of something that's happening anyway i thought that was funny um so uh can you share with us maybe your bis or one or two practices that partners can use to help each other to heal from their past, their, um, any kind of sexual wounds they have from their past, what can we do in partnership to help each other heal? Yeah, well, you know, um, a lot of people who have experienced wounding from their past, assuming it's not directly with the partner, but, you know, even if it is, you know, because you know, there's, there's things that happen in the relationship, but if somebody's had a struggle with something from their past um, that's showing up in the relationship. I mean, obviously, you know, different types of therapy are out there. And there's so much that can be done with just working with one another in a really present way. So with my couples, I encourage them, and this is going to sound so basic, but it's so helpful, just starting with just really uh, aligning your breath with one another and like really do it for a while like harmonize your breath breathe in together breathe out together you can hold one another while doing this 
You can be looking into one another's eyes while doing this. It doesn't matter. It just really matters that you are merging energetically through the breath so that it's not just your physical bodies that are in the same room and now you hope that they're going to get turned on and hope that, you know, it turns out to a really sexy, fun adventure. <laughs> but it's, it's also that you are aligning energetically through the breath. And then when there is a partner that really needs more support, a couple of things that you can do. Um, one is like when we are so seldom touched without the like we're sort of touched on our genitals without the um without the the need for advancement right it's like it's rare that somebody just holds your genitals without needing it to go somewhere mm-hmm. so try actually placing a hand on the genitals and placing a hand on the heart of the person while they're lying down and really just gaze at them look into their eyes and from your eyes emit total acceptance, total appreciation. And, you know, if words come, let them come, but it's not necessary to say a lot. It's more about what you feel and how you can actually, as a, as a, as a human being, we all have the capacity to experience energy and share energy, and that energy is healing. The energy that lives in our hearts and our bodies, we can actually extend that through our hands into our partners and just have them feel loved and have them feel seen and have them feel accepted. And sometimes that is so huge, right, without it needing to end up in like, okay, now I'm going to get you off and we're going to go somewhere with this, but just hold them in these in these very sacred areas of the body. Yeah. So that's another I mean, it sounds – oh, totally. And it sounds basic to people like you and I who've, you know, taken lots of tantra workshops and stuff, but – for mainstream people, I'm sure they've never done anything like that before, and it's amazing how incredible it can be in their relationship to just give that to their partner, to stop, to not talk, to eye gaze with them, to, to not have it be about advancing to intercourse. That can be revolutionary in a relationship, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and you know, we we underestimate the power of our sexual energy. And I'm not just talking about turn on and, you know, um erections or wetness or, you know, the typical things that we relate to turn on. I'm just talking about the the energy that lives in your body that relates to your sexuality and and the place where we experience that the most in our genitals and to just get that there is like a huge well of I mean, there's so much there, right, that even without turning the genitals on, without having to take them to to climax, just really holding that area with presence is, um, it has the capacity to to heal so much wounding, so many past things, so many present things. Um, I just really recommend it for those who haven't tried that. Just really hold one another there that way. Right. Thank you. Uh, Any other practices you want to share before I move on? Uh, Well, without having to go into too much of a big tantra discussion, um, I'd say the only other one that I would share in terms of like a um, like a healing practice for lovers, especially if one of the partners is feeling wounded in the relationship from anything that's happened, to spoon to spoon your partner. And when you're spooning your partner, the, per- the partner that's having the difficulty goes on the inside. So whether that's the bigger-bodied partner or not, doesn't matter. That partner is going to go on the inside. 
And the, you know, when you're spooning your partner, holding them close so that your whole body is aligned with theirs and with the back of their body. And really, and if you're familiar with the chakra system, and if you're not, there's so many websites and things where you can see the pictures of the chakras. But if you're familiar with the chakra centers, then taking a few breaths, taking at least three to five breaths at each chakra so that your chakras can be aligned with your breath. And during this practice, you're, you're, you're breathing together. You're breathing at the same time. Uh-huh. And so just, again, aligning the breath. And if you don't know and want to do anything about the chakras, that's fine. You don't have to do that part. But just like seeing where you're, even just your heart aligned, aligned up with the back of their heart and breathing your heart's energy into the back of their heart and let them know that you're doing that. Um, or maybe pressing your genitals up against behind their sacrum and just breathing your, your general energy into them. This is like they, it sounds, I don't know what it sounds like to people who've never heard the, this stuff before, but really, <laughs> it is so sweet. And it's so wonderful to feel like the person who's on the inside to feel loved, you know, to feel really held and taken care of by their partner this way. Yeah, I could imagine that um, the person on the inside could end up having a, a big release and feeling um, feel like they're able to let out a lot of old emotions that they never felt safe to let out before. And the person holding them should um, allow for that and be able to just hold that space for as long as, as that person needs to release all those old feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to move on to another topic. Um, Thank you for sharing those practices because those are very simple that uh, anyone can do and um, can really bring incredible healing to your partnerships. So um, I know that one of your passions, Triambika, is to train other practitioners and through, I believe that you do shamanic sexual healing um, training for practitioners. So can you talk a little bit about that and why you feel like it's so needed in the world right now? Uh, well, I uh, I've always loved training practitioners. I you know I've been a practitioner for 20 years, and so I've always really enjoyed sharing these arts with um, with other practitioners. And what I mean by that is you know to be able to be uh, sort of like a body worker, like an energy worker, but working with um, a person's sexual energy for the purpose of healing, of expansion, of growth, of awakening, and um, the the practitioner training that I teach currently is, is through ISTA, through the International School of Temple Arts. And um, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing program. I, I mean, I could tell you more about that later, but uh, w- really why this is essential is because of what we're doing, because of Me Too, because of what we're talking about, because of everything that we're saying and how, how um, – this how wounded we are as a society around our sexuality and around relationships um, and, and how much we, we haven't had a place to really transform that. You know, there hasn't been a place also for us to awaken in the power of our sexuality, to feel empowered by it rather than, you know, um, depleted by it or uh, controlled by it or whatever it is. So, um, that level of, of connection to ourselves, we can accomplish that on our own, but really we, it's so powerful when we can be served by someone else to, to connect us in that way and to really transform who we are from the inside out 
And I have to say that I wouldn't be the woman that I am today if it wasn't for the sexual healing work that I'd received in my life. I just wouldn't be the same woman. I don't know who I'd be. (laughs) But, you know, the empowerment that came and the confidence that came by being able to activate and release all that deep shame and guilt and emotions that had been locked down in my body, um, I mean, that's so transformational. I can't even begin to tell you how a person can grow from that point on. It's huge. And do you train male and female practitioners? We train all genders. <laughs> we train all gender, uh, um, male, female, non-binary, <laughs> trans, mm-hmm. um, because bodies are bodies and humans are humans and we all have some form of sexuality and we all have something that mo- many of us have something that needs to be healed and um you know, something that, that that's longing to be to be touched and connected with in a very present, powerful way. So we teach all genders. And what does it mean when you say shamanic sexual healing work? What does the shamanic mean in there? So the shamanic is where we um, allow insight to come in from 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 your guides. You know, I'm going woo woo on y'all. <laughs> But I personally really appreciate um, the shamanic qualities that we that we teach. Um, we are able to access uh, insight. We're able to access energy. We're able to access um, guidance um, from many directions, and we share that with the person that we're working with. So that's one way that the shamanic comes into play to be able to also sort of. Um, I don't want to say like transform, right? Through our own imagination, through our own visualization to transform who we are in the moment, an, an expanded version of ourselves, and to be able to access that as a form of empowerment, right? These are different ways that we do it. So we have a lot of different practices and exercises and ways that we engage um, sort of alternate states of consciousness, but without using any drugs just going into alternate states of consciousness to draw from that insights and awareness that help us to understand our situation better. Right, because change can really only come when we tap into our subconscious because just focusing on our conscious mind, you know, if, if we healed from just having information, nobody would need healing. We would just read a book and go, okay, I'm all better now. <laughs> so the only way we can really change is when we can tap into the subconscious, the parts of our mind that we're not really aware of. And I do a shamanic soul coaching with my clients as well, where I help them find parts of themselves that they've disowned, like shadow parts of themselves that they may feel ashamed of and kind of reclaim that. And that's shamanic work too. And I don't really, I know what you're saying about woo-woo because sometimes people turn off when they hear stuff like that, but I feel like it's not, woo-woo when it's just a part of yourself that you um, pre- that you think that you've disowned, but it's really still there hanging out in your subconscious, and you have to bring it back into the family and integrate all of you to be a healthy, functioning, happy human being, wouldn't you say? I love what you just said. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly it. And gathering those parts and remembering who those parts are. And also... Um, uh, What's the word I want to use? 
sort of like exorcising the parts that are not ours, the pieces that people mm-hmm, have left right. behind inside our body, right? And to really oh, release those pieces and to, and to be able to come back in with those parts that we, that we sort of lost or forgot. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time. I could talk about that a lot longer, but I want to give you time um, to tell our listeners how they can reach you. And I believe you also have an, an offer for our listeners. So take it away. Great, thanks. Um, well, so you can reach me at Triambika Maviv, and it, that's T R I A M B I K A M A V I V E. And um, so, just I just want to tell it to our listeners, like just imagine being able to transform your sexual energy into personal power, and what that, what the the difference that that would make in your life if you could transform your sexual energy into personal power, into confidence, into into better communication, into more love, that would just completely set you free. And so what I want to do is offer you a 45-minute call with me, complimentary, to talk about how that's possible for you in your life and what is it that's coming up and what are the roadblocks that are keeping you from being able to experience your sexual energy in the fullness that you would like it to. So, you know, if you're done waiting for things to improve, then this consult is for you. And you can also let me know that you heard it here on Leading Edge Love Radio. Please contact me for a complimentary consult. And again, that's at triambikamaviv.com. There's also an application there if you wanted to apply. And I'd be happy to schedule some time to speak with you and see if there's any way that I can serve you on your path. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That's very generous of you. A free 45-minute connection with you. And you are quite the expert. So that's very generous. Thank you so much. And I want to just thank you for being on the show, Triambika. It was a delight to speak with you and get to know your your thoughts and how you roll and your background. So thank you so much for your transparency and for being on the show. Thank you so much, Sumati. It's been a real joy. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. If you are still listening, I have another minute just to let you know that next week on Leading Edge Love, we will be speaking with Matt Sturm, who is a Tantra teacher, another Tantra teacher in the Bay Area, a young male Tantra teacher who is really coming into his own, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. So please join us next week at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Have a good evening.